0: We played that song by Crosby, Stills, and Nash while we were watching the video, Teach Your Children. Some of the lyrics, you who are on the road must have a code that you can live by, and so become yourself, because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well, their fathers hell did slowly go by, and feed them on your dreams, the ones they picked, the one you'll know by. Now Graham Nash, who wrote that song, was definitely on the right track. But unfortunately, in my opinion, he didn't take it quite far enough. So we'll need to look at God's Word for the whole answer. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And of course, that is he or she. The Bible uses the masculine gender as just an overall umbrella for mankind, humankind. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, He will not depart from it. That's a promise from God. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you to bless this time of Bible study as we look at what your word has to say about how to teach our children, how to train them, how to help them become the men and women of God that you created them to be. We ask your blessing now upon this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I think you'd probably agree with me that Our children are our greatest asset. They're the future teachers, preachers, government workers, tradesmen, military personnel and officers, as well as local, state, and national leaders, first responders. They're the ones who will be fulfilling all these roles in our society in the coming years. They're the ones who will determine the direction of our communities, our states, and our nation based upon what and how we teach them while they are young. Folks, assets, as we all know, are to be guarded, protected, invested in if they're to bring forth a good return. You remember the parable that Jesus told about the master who gave three servants different amounts of money to be responsible for To one, he gave ten talents. Talent was a coin or a a certain amount of money. Ten talents. Another, he gave five talents. And to one person, he only gave one. The man who was given ten invested it and multiplied it tenfold. The one who was given five talents did the same thing. The one who was only given one talent, you remember what he did with his? He went and buried it in the ground. There was no return. And so the first two were rewarded. And then the third guy who buried that one talent in the ground had it taken away from him. The message was not, gee, I wish I had ten talents like that guy. I only got five. Or the other guy said, that's not fair, I only got one. The message was to take whatever God has given you and invest it in eternal things so that it will bring forth an eternal reward and an eternal blessing. If we squander our assets at the end of the day, we're left with nothing to pass on to future generations. Psalms 127, 3 through 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. We live in a day and age when People are having fewer and fewer children. And yet the Bible says they're a heritage from the Lord. the, The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children should be looked upon not as a burden or something to be disposed of. They are a reward from God. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. My wife and I were just talking this morning on the way to church about um, how in times past you know, families took care of their elderly. She said, I don't want to be like that. I don't want my kids to have to take care of me. And I said, well listen, we took care of them and at some point it's going to be their turn to take care of us. And that kind of bothers her. She's not really into that. But the point is that prior to this modern time we're living in, that was the norm. You know, people weren't nearly as transient as they are today. People tended to, you're born and raised in a certain place and you stay there your whole life and you live in the same house and mom and dad, when they get older, you take care of them. That's how it used to be. And so, that's one of the reasons maybe people used to have more kids was that uh, you could spread it around. Only so many times it's sad. I've seen how certain families, one one of the siblings, winds up doing all the work. As their parents get older, the others don't want to be involved. You know, but the idea is in the Bible is that family is a blessing. It's really great. As you get older, your kids grow up. They become adults. You've got love. You've got family. You've got relationship. But again, a lot of it depends upon how we invest in them when they're young. It's so many movies that we watch today. It's almost, and almost in every movie, the kids hate the dad. Have you noticed that? Dad's always a bad guy. It would be nice to see a movie where dad's really a good guy. You know, or they hate mom. That's really not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to grow up loving one another, nurturing one another in a loving environment. Deuteronomy 4.9. God tells the children of Israel, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself. And don't we all have a tendency to look at the other guy and point the finger and, and, and talk about how flaky and off the wall they are? God's saying, you know what? Take heed to yourself. Diligently keep yourself. Jesus said, Before you try to remove the splinter from your brother's eye, first remove the log from your own. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. And what God's talking about here, the children of Israel had seen all the amazing miracles of God. You know, the parting of the Red Sea, and the water from the rock, and the manna from heaven, and the quail. All the ways, the miracles that God had done for his people. And he says, Don't forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. And this is where we've seen a tremendous breakdown in our society today, in our nation, whereas once these things were being handed down from generation to generation. The truth about God, who He is, what he has done about his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Over the past 50, 60 years, that's fallen away. I've shared many times how when I was an elementary school student in Arizona, the Gideons came onto our campus, right up onto the campus and handed out New Testaments to all the kids. That's not allowed in our public schools today. We learned all the songs, God bless America, America the beautiful. You know, we learned about our heritage. That's not happening today. We're doing exactly what the children of Israel did because even though God commanded them, teach these things to your children and your grandchildren, the children of Israel failed to do that. And that's why Israel failed as a nation. Now in these last days, God has restored Israel And God will restore us when we return to him. God admonished the Israelites to remember the things that he had done for them and to teach their children these things. And by the way, we read that verse, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's exactly what it means. This is what it means to train up a child in the way that he should go, in the ways of God, the ways of the Lord, to teach them to honor, to respect, to be in awe of the Creator of all things, Deuteronomy 11:18 through 20. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. the the The, the rabbis wear these uh, phylacteries on their wrists and on their forehead, and they have little tiny scriptures in them. So they took this very literally. God really meant it more in a spiritual sense to bind his word upon your heart, upon your forehead, to implant his word deep in your heart. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So what does that tell us? God says it needs to be a lifestyle. It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings. It's a daily thing. When you walk in the way, when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up, We should constantly be imparting the truth of God to our children. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. And so God is promising to those who will be obedient to Him and will implant His word deep within their hearts and impart it to their children and their grandchildren. Multiplication of days. Long life. The most destructive force in this world is sin. Sin separates us from God and it destroys us sooner or later. When we commit our lives to Christ, follow his commandments, teach them to our children, there's blessing for that. And so we do this VBS every year at at TED. Spends about a half a year preparing for this. He works really hard. And it's so important. I went to VBS as a child. I still have some of the crafts that I made when I was just a young kid. I don't know how I hung on to them all these years. I think I still have them. Pretty sure I do. Last time I checked. I went to Sunday school. I had gray-haired little old ladies teaching me the Bible with a flannel graph. You know, the picture of Jesus and the sheep and the disciples put up on that flannel graph being taught the stories of the Old and New Testament. And again, so God's word was planted in my heart at a very early age. And so when I began to be bombarded with the lies and the deceptions of this world, they wouldn't take root because the truth was placed there first. So when I went to school and they started to teach how we we descended from apes, To me, it was like a fairy tale. Never believed it. Took biology, had to answer all the right questions and get a good grade and all that, but I never ever doubted the fact that we were created by the living God because it was planted in my heart and my mind before the world could get in there and pollute it. That's why children's ministry is so vitally important because they are ready to receive the truth. Their hearts and minds are open, they've not been hardened yet. Again, Jesus said if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must become as a child. See, children are naive, they're gullible, they're innocent. Not not entirely, because we're all born in sin. First word most children learn is no. The second word is mine. But compared to us adults, and we'll talk about this analogy in a moment like a computer, like a hard drive. And you might think, well, they, they, they're so ready to believe in God because they don't know any better. No, the truth of the matter is, the heart and mind and spirit of a child has not been polluted. And so when you simply speak the truth to them, they receive it immediately, without question, without hesitation. Before their hearts and minds have had a chance to be filled with all the lies that this world throws at them. So we place a very high value on ministering to children. Now, some people say, well, if you really love the kids, why don't you just let them come in the adult service? But the thing is, they need to be ministered to at their level, at a a level that they can understand and relate to. They need to be the, the focal point, the center of attention. That doesn't happen in an adult service. We have special times like we had today where the kids come in and they're with us. And there should be times at home as a family where you're together in worship and so forth and Bible study. But our hope, our prayer, our desire is that we're going to be able to reach more children, more young people in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. 2 Timothy 3.14, Paul is writing to his young protege. He called him his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you l- have learned them, and from th- that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is reminding Timothy of his heritage, his foundation, how he was taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And Timothy went on to be a great pastor, a great man of God, but if we wait until our children are grown up to try and guide them... Now, here's the problem. Sometimes when we're young and our kids are young, a lot of young parents haven't quite yet figured out who they are or where they're going. Therefore, it's hard to guide your children. But if you wait till they're grown, it's too late then. They already are who they're going to be. So if you're in that place or you know someone who is a young parent and you're looking for wisdom and guidance... Start by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 2011. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. And so, again, we we, we should not take this approach. Well, they're just kids, kids will be kids yeah they will but they need to be taught they need to be trained at beginning at a very early age and they can be because as I said they're totally open-hearted and open-minded to the truth about God it's our responsibility as parents teachers ministry workers family and friends to teach our children right and wrong we cannot take them anywhere we ourselves have not been At the very least, we must make every effort to get there as we take them with us. I want to use the example of a computer for a moment. So you get a new computer, right? You take it home, you bring it home. It has a basic operating system and just a few baseline programs installed, right? Then you begin to install other programs in keeping with what and how we would like this computer to function. Now, for WISE, we also install certain protections to make sure the computer doesn't get hacked with viruses, malware, etc. Now, once these harmful entities make their way into our computer, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to remove them and undo the damage they've done to the hard drive. Think about the brain, the mind, the heart, the soul of a child. They come with the basic equipment, just like a computer. They're born just like, just like a new computer. All the basic components are there but who and what they will become depends upon what we program into them. If we program in anger, violence, substance abuse, immorality, then that's what we'll get back, a corrupt hard drive. Or we can program in godliness, virtue, morality, ethical behavior, etc. And again, the master hacker of the heart, mind, and soul of our children and of ourselves is Satan, the enemy, Lucifer, the father of all lies. He wants to hack into your hard drive. He wants to put a virus in there. He wants to put malware in there so you don't function properly and your kids don't function properly. The answer for that, those viruses and that hacking is the Spirit of God living inside you and your children. Another analogy we take from the agricultural community. The Bible uses the agricultural analogy quite a bit because that was the predominant means of support for people in those days, agricultural, farming, so forth. So Jesus used that analogy a lot. But in the agricultural analogy, you have the planting or the sowing of seed, And if you plant good seed, you get a good harvest. If you plant bad seed, you get weeds, thorns, and thistles. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. Don't kid yourself. God is not or cannot be mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. The attitude, well, I can just do whatever I want. I can live my life my way I don't need to listen to God. God cannot be mocked. Whatever kind of seed you sow, that's what you're going to reap. For he who sows to his flesh, those fleshly instincts and desires that may, may produce immediately good feelings and so forth, but in the long run are destructive. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. And that's another thing we have to guard against. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I've been trying and trying and trying to do the right thing and I don't see any positive results. Paul says don't grow weary while doing good for in due season, right? There's a season for planting. There's a season for watering, fertilizing, weeding. And then finally, after a a certain duration of time, Finally, then there is the crop and the harvest. Don't grow weary. If we are faithful to do our part, we can trust God to do His part. I would say probably just about all of us have balked or chafed at what we consider to be unfair, oppressive, excessive, man-made rules, right? Ephesians 6, 4. And by the way... When I talk about programming our kids, I'm not talking about brainwashing or manipulation. I'm talking about leading our children down the right path. It's a great challenge today because we're living in a time when so many people are saying, well, there really isn't any right or wrong. It's just whatever you think. You know, there's no absolutes, but there are absolutes. And the only way that this world we live in functions it's when we recognize those absolutes, the right, the wrong, the good, the evil, and so forth. When the lines begin to become blurred, then people just become like zombies flailing through life, not knowing who they are, what they are, where they are. We need absolutes. God is a God of absolutes, right and wrong, good and evil, black and white. I'm not talking about brainwashing them or manipulating them, talking about leading them down the right path. Ephesians 6, 4, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. One translation says, do not exasperate or frustrate your children, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So I mentioned this idea of what we consider to be unfair, oppressive, excessive, man-made rules. When we impose these on our kids, that's what will frustrate and exasperate them. But not God's guidelines. You might think, well, I'm afraid if I try to teach my kid about God, if I try to teach him about God's Word, he's not going to like it. He's not going to like me. He's going to get upset. But the fact of the matter is, in my experience, kids love to hear about God. They love to learn His Word because there is great strength and peace and comfort in the Word of God. Psalms 19:7. yea than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward. You will not frustrate or exasperate or provoke your children by saturating them in the Word of God. You know volume upon volume has been written on how to raise children with one book totally contradicting another on how it should be done to the point that it seems many people have totally given up and decided to let the kids raise themselves. Let me give you a definition of the word raise. To cause or help to rise to a standing position. Awaken, arouse, to recall from or as if from death. Folks, according to God's word, which I believe 100% from front to back, cover to cover, we are born in death because our sin separates us from God. We are destined, the Bible says that man is destined once to die physically and then the judgment. Well, if you're dead, how could you be judged? Because when the physical body dies, the spirit within us goes on. It is eternal. The question is, where is that spirit going to go? Is it going to go to be in the presence of God or somewhere else that no one should want to go? And we're hearing more and more stories of people having out-of-body, near-death experiences. Some have been good and some have not. If you ever saw that movie Ghosts with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, you old-timers like me, boy, what a graphic depiction. In that movie, certain people would die and then these demonic entities would come to usher them into hell and other people would die and they'd be ushered, angels would usher them into the presence of God. Pretty amazing, pretty graphic, pretty, actually pretty accurate. To raise, to recall or as if from death. When we train our children up in the ways of the Lord, we're raising them up out of death into life. To set upright by lifting or building. Some parents are afraid to discipline their children, to teach them, to train them. But they need it. They must have it. I was just talking to my wife about a young lady that she had had a, had a powerful influence in this girl's life. In fact, a number of young girls. And uh, because my wife is very humble, very, uh, uh, just doesn't really think highly of herself, she doesn't realize sometime the impact that she's had on the lives of many people, many young people. When she led a ministry many years ago of dance and drama, and, uh, she had about 50 people in her theatrical troupe at one time, Heart, part of this church. They traveled all over the world. She says, you know, I kind of miss that. So, But this young lady was telling me what a tremendous, powerful influence for good my wife had had upon her. She says, I can't believe that. I was so hard on them. Man, I was just always telling them, don't do this and don't, you You guys are sitting in the back of the van, get up here. All these teenagers would go in the back of the van and hang out, you know. And I said, well, you know what? When you do that, they know you love them. Do you realize that actually when you discipline your kids, that tells them within their inner spirit, their inner heart and mind that you love them? You know, with the kids that don't feel loved, Are the ones that don't ever get disciplined because even if they it doesn't register on the surface within their heart and their mind, deep down inside, they know you don't care enough about them to discipline them. And I said, that's why they love you. Because you cared enough about them to discipline, to teach them, to train them. And they did great things together, traveling all over the world, performing. Western Europe, Scotland, New Zealand. She gave those kids the experience of a lifetime. I give her a lot of credit. You should too. You have no idea what an amazing woman she is. Maybe you do. If you do, you ought to tell her sometime. (laughs) Because I'm up front, you know, I get all the recognition, but she deserves a lot. Oh, let me finish my raise definitions here. To set up right by lifting or building. To lift up. So you're not dragging your kids down when you're teaching them and training them. You're lifting them up. To place higher in rank or dignity. To elevate. To heighten. To invigorate. That's something our kids today desperately need, folks. They need to be invigorated. They need to be motivated Far too many are addicted to the electronics. You know, man, when I was a kid, the streets were full of kids out there riding their bikes, playing kickball, doing all kinds of stuff. Now they're all locked inside, staring at a screen. Am, am I wrong on that? They need to be elevated. They need to be lifted up. They need to be invigorated. Proverbs 3, 3-10. through My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Parable from Jesus. The field is the world. The treasure that he finds in this world is those whose hearts are towards him, those who desire to know him, to live for him. And so what did he do? He went and gave all he had. This is what God has done for us. He paid the highest price imaginable for our salvation, the life of his own son on the cross of Calvary. John 3.16, we all know this one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amazingly, folks, I don't know about you, but I find this amazing, astounding, unbelievable, because I know me inside and out, just like you know you inside and out, that God views us as His treasure Does that kind of blow your mind? To God, we are His treasure. And in like manner, our children are our greatest treasure. And we're called upon, folks, to lay down our lives for them, even as Christ laid down His life for us. And again, sadly, as we've seen the downward spiral of our culture, our society... It seems like most people today are much more self-focused and self-centered than they used to be. I remember the many sacrifices my parents made for me growing up. I'll never forget. my mother became a widow when I was 12, was on an extremely limited income, and yet she continued to put her kids first. To her own detriment, I might add. But she invested in our lives. And it brought forth good fruit as a result. You know, one of the popular phrases today is, What about my needs? Right? But here's a better question, a much better question. What about their needs? The needs of our children? And you know what their greatest need is? It's to know God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the incredible, amazing, precious gift of children. Lord, we stand upon the truth of your word, that they are indeed a heritage from you, that the fruit of the womb is a reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior, as we teach them and train them up to be men and women of God then we launch them out into the world as adults to have a piercing and penetrating positive impact on this world in which they live. Lord, we confess this morning, all of us as parents have fallen short. Lord, just like your word says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Lord, we thank you that you're a loving, gracious, merciful Heavenly Father. You understand our weaknesses, our shortcomings, And you're always willing to come in like a flood with forgiveness, with grace, love, mercy, forgiveness. And you're always there to strengthen us, to empower us, and to help us do a better job. As parents, as grandparents, if we will look to you and call upon you and acknowledge you and entrust our children into your care and keeping. Lord, we're just their earthly guardians. You are their heavenly father. God, we want to recommit and rededicate our children to you this morning. And again, beseech you for your help, for your strength, for your wisdom, for your guidance. Lord, that we would take our cues, not from this world, that is confused and lost and uncertain. Father, we thank you that in Christ we have a sure and certain hope. And Lord, we need to impart that sureness and certainty to our children, that confidence that they can grow up secure in the knowledge that they are loved by their parents, that they are loved by God, that they have a Savior who died on the cross for them, and they can look forward to spending eternity with you in paradise. Father, as we close this morning, I pray that you would help anyone here today who feels confused or lost or uncertain, that today they might make that decision to commit their life to Christ and dedicate their family they're children to you. They, you gave them to us. They really belong to you. But help us to be good stewards over them. Lord, you know every heart here today. You know what's going on in every heart in this room. We pray, God, that no one would leave here today without possessing a comfort, a peace, an assurance that they are in right relationship with you and that they're on the right path in terms of how to train their children, to teach their children and bring them up in the the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.